This episode of Sound Mess is brought to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, uh, this is... Hi, uh, my name is Richard Villegas. Um, welcome to Sound Mess. Uh, here's my co-host. Beverly, hi, how's it going? It's going all right. You know, just trying to start a podcast and some stuff. Um, yeah. I think we needed to rehearse this more. No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> no, this is it. No, we keep it rolling until, like, we get to something good. Yeah. And we take out the bad parts. I mean... Right. You know. Um, well, hi. So, this is the podcast where we talk about what we listen to yep. um, this week. Mostly, we listen to a lot of music in Spanish. Yeah. That's... I, I can't really explain. Well, that's what we do. I mean, so, you know, if you're listening, is because you probably know us. Um, right you, now. Yeah, uh, at the moment. Um, as you know, this is the first episode, so it's a, a rough cut. So thank you for still listening, if you are. Um, we are both music writers. Uh, I write for Remezcla. Um, I contribute to Sound Friend, which eventually you will, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about. Um, I've written for MTV Iggy, um, as well as... R.I.P. R.I.P., you know, we pour some drink out for them. Um, I'm going to pour this coffee in the sink <laughs> right now. For our fallen homie, MTV Iggy. Um, you know, and some other miscellaneous blogs here, there, and everywhere. Um, Bev, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Nope. Um, no, I, I write... Uh, I write for Noisy and The Village Voice, and I used to edit MTV Iggy, and um, I uh, write for Remesla as well, and I edit Sound Friend, and um, that's all I do, but it keeps me busy. So there we, there we go. Um, so music, I mean, that's why we're here. That's what's going on. Uh, you know, our, miss, our mission statement may change throughout the course of uh, recording, um, you know, here in onto infinity, whenever that happens. Um, you know, so please bear with us. As of now, we're thinking um, Latin, you know, alternative music, but that could go in any number of directions. I don't know if that's even true. We're not even really sure if we should call it Latin alternative. That's, we, we get into conversations about this. That is a... Uh, or, or not, or call it, or not even call... I thought we were doing better when we started calling it Latin indie, but now we're in trouble again. Oh. I don't, so... Hmm. Well, let's just, let's just say world music. No. <laughs> let's not do that. Let's never do that again, please. <laughs> let's not <laughs> pretend like we're listening to music <clears throat> that Starbucks is just piping out <clears throat> onto its customers. But anyway, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of Latin artists, at least today, um, with a couple of notable exceptions when we get to them. Um, so the first uh, song that I want to talk to about... Um, you know, let's start nice and light. There's um, this really great guy called Bairoa. Um, he is a musician from Puerto Rico. Uh, he plays with the band uh, Buscabulla. You've, you've seen them before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I believe we both saw them at Normal. Oh, goodness, yeah. Ooh. Let's... She killed it. You know, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about, about Buscabulla. I, I don't deny that the talent in, is there, but I wonder how much of it is overhype. Hmm. I don't know. I really... Well, remember I told you one time I really thought you should revisit the album. Did you ever, like, listen to the EP more? 
Well, there's an EP, exactly. That's why the, that's the first okay. thing I was gonna say. I was like, because okay. there's not enough material for us to be really all that hyped about them. I feel like Buscabulla has kind of like this aura, like Lana Del Rey had when she first started mm. coming out. That she there were like two songs, and you know they had millions of listens, and everybody was like, "What is going on?" Um, you know, and I and I well, I was Buscabulla is much less manufactured. Oh, of course. Bonnie Del Rey. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of... I know. And I mean, you can be suspicious when an artist comes out and they get, they're get they really hyped. With no workout. You know. With, like, little to none, no I work. I mean, an EP is enough. An EP is a statement. Mm. You know? It's it's enough to make me very excited for whatever they do next. And then I thought I thought they were terrific live. And to me, that's the litmus test. They are. Uh, I forget her name, the singer, but she's very charismatic. If someone... Yeah, for sure. I don't remember her name either, but you know what? If a band shows up, and puts on a good show, then I'm convinced. That's because to me, it's like the the record is almost negligible in comparison to like actually being a band, right? You know, so. Well, and I'm not. You know what? Honestly, I'm not mad at them because you know what? It, it's good pop, fun pop music. Uh, they get a crowd going. They're loved by their fans. They're like they. You know, the people are there for them. Um, you know, enough that, you know, they can travel to different cities around the country and internationally, as we saw in, in, in Mexico, and, you know, really get a crowd excited. Um, so that has its own merit. But we're here to talk at the moment uh, about Baidoa. So Baidoa um, is part of their live band. He's like their key- keyboardist. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he has an EP coming out. I don't know uh, if it even has a name yet. Uh, but the first single is Sumersion, which I guess is like submergence. Um, and it's really rad. So let's uh, take a listen.
All right. So what do you think? So I was very into that. I'm very, um, I'm getting a very psychedelic salsa vibe, but very modern. It's like psych rock meets 70s salsa in a way, like classic, um, but also classic 70s psych rock. So it's like, I definitely can see um, that this is the work of someone who's involved with, in, with Busca Boya. Um, right, yeah. I can definitely feel that. But yeah, no, I'm excited by this. So, uh, yeah, so the... Uh... The song is called Sumersion, right? So it, it, it's kind of like submergence, I guess, is, is the best way to, like, you know, immersive. Immersion. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's definitely the vibe. Like, it really does feel like you're dipping your head underwater and just hearing some cool stuff. Um, uh, I was doing a little research on him because, like, you know, there was a friend who sent me this link. He's like, you need to check this guy out. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I listened to it. Uh, a friend who shall remain nameless. No, it's my, my good friend Alberto. He's uh, this DJ guy uh, from Mexico, from Monterrey. Mm. I actually put you guys in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he would be an excellent sound friend. He has already submitted. Oh, cool. So I'm very excited about that. What did he write about? Um, I can't remember. They're fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh, he knows that they're excellent. Look, I... I get a lot of submissions. I get a lot of submissions. There we go. Uh, again, dear listener, we will eventually get to explaining what Soundfriend is. Um, but yeah, so I was doing I'll a little... edit that part out. I don't know. That's fine. Okay. Um, nah, I'm, I'm not an editor yet. Um, but yeah, so the song is really dope. And so I was looking a little bit, uh, doing a little research on his uh, SoundCloud, and it just kept playing. Um, and it went on next onto a mixtape that he did. Um, and so it's called uh, Lado Oscuro, and it's like literally the next thing after his uh, after the single. Um, and it's not original work. Um, it's uh, there might be another song of his on there, but it's really it's legit like a mixtape like, and it's all like really '80s sounding tracks. You know, think something that might have been like on Purple Rain. All right. You know. Yeah. Like very like that. Um, What's the song that um, Will Smith sampled for, like, Men in Black? Gosh. You know, we are the men in black. You know. I do not know. Whatever. But, oh, but so it's, like, kind of a new Jack Swing thing. Exactly. Like, right. whatever that song was, that's what they sampled. Right. Cool. So, so, like, cool. so he, um, he has that on there, like, the original on there. He has that very, like, 80s, funky, you know, um, more stay in the time, a little bit of, like, um, what was his name? Super Freak? Uh, Rick James. Rick James. It, again, it has that like early '80s funk to it, mm-hmm. but like yeah. sort of like going towards more of a disco edge. So we're gonna listen to that now? No, no. I mean, because this is really just like. Oh, can we? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. we, you know we can, but um, no, but yeah, you definitely get that vibe. So okay, I, don't I, get me hyped on something, then we're not gonna play it on the podcast. Oh come on! I, I think just, that that's against the rules. I, ju- I just think it's like the listeners at home are dying to hear this song now, <laughs> and you can find it on his SoundCloud. Again, it's Baidoa. B-A-I-R-O-A, Baidoa. Fair um, enough, sir. So, um, next, um, I have a song by uh, Triangulo de Amor Bizarro. Yes, I love them. So, um, you know, post-punk from Spain. Lots of noise. Lots of noise, high-energy stuff. Um, I saw them at Druido Fest in Chicago. Um very jealous. Yeah, and it was an onslaught of music because they played and then La Vida Bohème played, and like back to back, and it wow. was just an intense rock and roll show. Um, that was like two hours of pure rock and roll, and it was good shit. 
Um, you know, and so like this is like very fast, you know, again, fast rock and roll, lots of moshing. Um, and then this is actually another one of Checky's picks, which I think is interesting. Um, and it's, uh, he, you know, it's definitely a poppier effort. Uh, mm. It's very dancey. Uh, the song is called Baila Sumeria. Um, so let's take a look. I really, 
dig this. Um, like, you because know, you have magnificent taste. Well, obviously. <laughs> um, no, but like you know, like when you're on the train and like that drum solo comes on, comes on and on your headphones and you're like, you know, like you you play it. Yes, this is an air drumming song. This gives me sure. This is like I'm like this on the train with my hands in the air. <laughs> like, ma'am, please put out that lighter. But this ballad is so good. <laughs> Um, what do you think? Um, no, I, I think it's like, it's sublime. It's euphoric. Um, I really, I'm a huge sucker for very poppy shoegaze like this. Mm. And I like it because, you know, I like, uh, Triangulo de Amor Bizarro's, uh, earlier stuff, but, um, I really like this sort of, um, more melodic direction. I'm very mm. excited for it. Yes. I don't know if you if you could hear the like the synth that there was there in kind of in the background just that would go like um, I did hear that. Yep. That sounded a lot to me like uh, the cure mm. that moment. Like um, I think in just like heaven, there's there's a similar synth to that. And I'm not obviously I'm not saying that they're referencing that or anything, but it definitely transports me to that mood. Yeah. No. You know? Like I can feel that. And then also like the, there's a little bit of like still that kind of like. Uh, gritty sonic youth thing going on for sure they're more like um poppy more poppy sonic youth and then so yeah i know i'm just i'm very into this and you know i really love the way bands right now are updating uh shoegaze so that's it's just beautiful it feels fresh it feels fresh and i'm here for fresh um okay cool so next, uh, so I have one, and you know, and I. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, that was Triangulo de Amor Bizarro, and the single is Baila Sumeria. Um, so the next track, um, you know, I'd like to apologize to the listeners uh, and encourage them to go find the video because right now, like, you're gonna hear the song, but the video is just a really important companion piece, uh, and it's by, you know, the absurdist. Spanish band Hidrogenese. Um I've never heard of. Oh, you've never heard of them? Okay. Nope. They are st- strange. Right. Uh, uh, I, you know, I really, they're, I don't, I don't know how to describe them. I've saw, I saw them live uh, t- maybe three years ago now, two years ago at Festival Normal. I saw them in Monterey. Um, you know, they, as these two guys, you know, they just really look like guys at an attempts at an office, um, and they perform in like heels and like a mini skirt, and it's just kind of noisy, glitchy stuff. Very interesting visually for sure. Um, again, this song is called Elizabeth Taylor, um, and they've described it as an hidrogenese self-portrait. Um, so we're gonna play the video now um, for our own enjoyment, but definitely encourage you guys to go out and find it on YouTube again. It's Hidrogenese, Elizabeth Taylor. Enterrado, mascotas y maridos. Enterrado, maridos y amigos. Enterrado, amigos e hijos. Y yo sigo viva y estoy aquí. Sigue brillando 
enterrado a Monty, a Jacko, a Candy, a Lassie, a Donnie y a Barton. Enterrado a todos los que he amado. Yo sigo viva y estoy aquí. so fascinated by that video that I barely listened to the song. It's, um, I love, uh, all the art historical stuff in there, all the, um, references to Egypt, all the classical stuff, like all the Baroque gugas. It's just like, it all comes at you, but I feel like they're actually saying something with it where they're sort of, um, you know, dealing with themes of permanence and impermanence. Like they kept having these diamonds and like, yeah. So, you know, it's very like an Ozymandias thing. Like, man makes these grand architectural things that are meant to last forever, but, you know, it doesn't. And it's all sort of absurd. It, at, at its, oh, it's utterly surreal. I mean, and, and it's interesting that you say, you know, that, that you talk about the impermanence of it all. Um, because they, they bill it as a self-portrait of the mm. band. Uh, that might be something that they're trying to say. I mean, it's... You know, maybe, like, music is fleeting or, you know, I mean, hidden messages I don't, I, that I don't care to speculate about. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it is definitely, uh, it's definitely an eyeful, um, you know, and definitely open to quite a bit of interpretation. So, again... I like the cats. The cats are cool. Uh, the mannequins falling apart are cool. The dancing piano is cool. Well, yeah, but you'll notice, you know, like some of the mannequin, the mannequins were gold. They had these gold hands, and then they would like fall you know, into pieces. It's very funerary, but it's mm. also like, you know, very much like Pompeii, or um, you know, they had like a 
one of the gold figures like fell over who was in a posture um, that you know you would see sculptures in in ancient Egypt. Right. It was just like so it's like a very specific detailed stuff about like classical references and but then done in this like very vaporwave animation style. So they're yeah they're very interesting. They're very highbrow. Um, high so highbrow that at times just you know it's practically in their hairline. Like it's really. Uh, I, I have a hard time with them. Uh, actually, this came to me via uh, one of them. They actually sent me this. Oh, wow. Um, you know, um, so, like, I think it's very cool. I think it deserves uh, attention. Uh, they're very interesting. So, again, if you definitely like a little artsiness uh, in your music, definitely check out Hydrogenese, uh, if if that's what we're doing. You know, and actually that leads perfectly into our uh, next artist, Kalimutsa. Um, and she is an actress, actually, um, by trade in Chile. Um, and so, but by night, um, Kalimutsa is a musical project, uh, the musical project of Celine Raymond. Yet another uh, project that has uh, really great visuals attached to it. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Kalimutsa is definitely on the uh, more experimental uh, end of the Chilean indie scene. Um, Chile, you'll, you know, dear listener, you will hear us talk a lot about Chile. Because Chile is just making kick-ass music right now. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't get us sort of started on the Marineros. We'll do that next time. <laughs> um, you know, Chile is just the bomb.com. <laughs> You know, I used to live in Chile. I stand for Chile. I am here for Chile. Um, you know, Mexico is kicking ass. Spain, you know, Brazil kicking ass. But Chile is right now my bee's knees and has been for a little while. Um, yeah, Kalimutsa, it draws from like mysticism, Eastern culture. Um, you know, I read somewhere that Kalimutsa was like the freshest crispest globe mu- uh, world music since like MIA um, and that actually that's that's going a bit far but I don't know I feel th- that that to me felt very accurate maybe not like mm-hmm. that nobody else in between but there's definitely a parallel I, I definitely see a parallel between her and MIA well perhaps in, in the sense that she's a descendant yeah perhaps I mean I, I don't know I just I really dig her i really dig her influences um you know she pulls a lot from like you know uh, roma uh, the gypsy culture she even sings in roma um, wow that's interesting yeah she I didn't often, realize that yeah she often sings like yeah like you'll be like wait this isn't really fast spanish this is just not spanish at all um she'll sing in french uh you know she pulls from you know art film and photography as well as like poetry um all through the, the middle east and asia she's very interesting well, so, I mean, to me, that brings up an issue where it's like, isn't it sort of awkward that she's like so randomly and rapaciously culturally appropriative? I mean, you know, and that that's a great question, because uh, appropriation, you know, is a little is a little difficult to address because, uh, you know, being a fan of something and being in wanting to reference it does, you know, that's one thing and exploiting it is a different thing. Hmm. You know, I mean. She's a very well-researched performer. I mean, uh, I actually had the chance to speak with her not that long ago. Um, 
you know, and like she was listing basically all like these different filmmakers and photographers and poets that, you know, influence her work. So this is this is not the girl who shows up at Coachella wearing a bindi. Not at all. Okay, not I mean, you know you make a really good case. And she's, I mean, and like if you look, find her 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 video, she's not wearing a sari. All her like, you know, all her, like even though the music pulls certainly pulls from like say Bollywood, you know, all her outfits she makes like she'll take flowers and like construct a dress, you know, or wear an eye patch, you know, you know, it, it, she's again she's very interesting. Um, and so the song that I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna play, um, is a new release, actually. It's not even an official, it's not even an official single yet. Um, this is just, it kind of like, she collaborated with these, uh, graphic designers from Chile called Enciclopedia Color. Uh, they do a lot of visuals for people. Um, you know, uh, Diego Adrián of Adrián Igual is, is, uh, one of the one of the founders of Enciclopedia Color, and so she did a live session with them. And this is off her upcoming EP that still does not have a name. Uh, the song is called Interstellar, Inter Interstellar. So again, this is Kalimutsa.
So, so what did you think of that? I mean, I look. I've been a big Kalimota fan for a while. I mean, and like to me, where she really excels is taking all those like Eastern or experimental influences that I mentioned, but mixing them with the things that are with musical Latin mu- musical genres that are inherently Latino, like that cumbia that you just heard there. You know, like, like I like I like the very bassy cumbia moment. It's true. It's so it very good. nice. You know, she like will bring reggaeton in at times. It's just it's unexpected. She always feels fresh and she always feels unexpected, which I really just appreciate. That's true. Sometimes uh, it's a little bit too much for me, but uh, I do admit because she does. You know, she always gets a groove in there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very um, it's music. You can you can always feel. Even if you want to be like, oh, this is weird hippie shit, which is usually what I feel <laughs> like I want to say. Um, but, you know, I have to admit, you know, it's, you, you know, it's, it's also very head bobbing hippie shit. Boom, so, boom, but boom. like, I know you don't love Bjork comparisons, but that's... But I do love Bjork. I get, I get a lot of, I get a lot of Bjork vibes from this, which I'm not mad at, you know? It's the very forward thinking electronica, you know... The really weird vocals. But she paved the road. I mean, you know, for like re- for experimental music to kind of hit the mainstream. Yeah, and be pop. Yeah, for it to be like seen as pop. Yeah, because I mean, pop could be anything. There, there's no reason for it not as to long be. as it's popular. <laughs> That's really like the only requirement. Hmm. I I mean, do you not like that it's Bjorky? I mean. Do you feel it? I mean, I don't necessarily find her directly referencing her, but, you know, there's a, a similarity in style and delivery for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's that, uh, I think it's like if something is Bjork-like, I don't tend to connect with it on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I'm just a horrible person, I guess. That you are, but that's fine. We'll find, we'll find a way to forgive you uh, collectively. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really here for her because, like, she can really make me dance. Um, you know... Kalimuta was one of those fir- one of those bands that like I one of those acts that I just discovered and really blew my mind because you know Latin America I you know I grew up in Latin America and like I grew up with Latin parents and it just it tends to be a little square and that's why I've really been obsessed with the scene and with the music in the scene because like you know it peels back a layer of like my life and my upbringing and my perception to know that we have it in us to like do something this, you know, downright strange at times. Um, and it's so interesting and it, it really is exciting to me. I mean, at the same time, it's not like, uh, you know, Latin America isn't known for exciting, interesting art, you know, it's just, maybe this is like where like this generation is, you know, finding expression for that, you know, like, Mm. I mean, Latin America is certainly known for, uh, innovative theater and performance and you know um compared to the united states you know in some ways latin america like seems much less square to me from like where i'm sitting because you know i don't but that's like it's because like i don't know and i mostly know other countries through their cultural products so you know i look at you know the muralist tradition in mexico and i'm sort of jealous of that we're like because like in the u.s people do not understand public art Right. It, so, you know, it, or like that it should be something for the people, you know, so these, these concepts and these traditions, like I look at that and I'm like, I wish we had something like that here, you know. So sometimes when I see, um, you know, 
groups or, you know, an artist like Kali Mutsa, I almost put that in that context of, like, the art that I'm already familiar with. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, Latinos generally, like, you'll meet a lot of these young Latinos who are like, oh, you live in New York, that must be so exciting, and yada yada, and I'm like, you know, you learn to live with it or whatever, but, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the Dominican Republic and it was, it, it really just, you know, like any other Latin country really, it's just, you know, it's, everybody has their nine to five, it's heteronormative, you know, it's Catholic, um, you know, you go home, you eat dinner and you watch novellas, you know, and that's your life. And then on the weekends you either stay home or you go hang out with family. And that's it. You know, it's a very like day to day, rather mundane sort of life. Um, so again, and, and this is, I'm, this might be a very unique experience. I don't think it is, but for me in particular, like I associate, you know, growing up in Latin America as being kind of a boring experience. So seeing, uh, seeing and hearing, you know, art and creativity and just kind of exploding out of Latin America, it brings a lot of joy to me. Um, you know, again, that reminder that we can do it. No, totally. And I see what you mean. Um, and that makes me think of, you know, the fact that so many people I know and have talked to always bring up Bomba Estereo as, like, mm-hmm. their first most formative example of that, where, like, you know, um, not only were they being inspired by, like, you know, independent music culture that was coming out of Latin America, but that it was also independent music that, like, also embraced traditional music from, absolutely you know, Colombia. So, you know, it's sort of... Uh, so I was wondering, like, what, if, if you felt the same way that, like, that was one of those, like, tremendous touchstones that just sort of, you know... Um, that kind of changed my perception. Know, yeah, it, like, created kind of a shift. Bomba Stereo was definitely one of them, but it wasn't the first. Hmm. The first one to really, like... Because I, 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 I discovered uh, Rita Indiana around around the same time I started getting into the scene. Of course. Um, and, like, I knew Bomba Stereo before... But I still, like, I just thought of them as, like, this really cool Latin band. But, you know, Rita Indiana y Los Misterios was, uh, you know, a milestone for me. I grew up in Dominican Republic. And again, you know, Dominicans, like most Latinos, tend to be very conservative in their music choices. Dominicans listen to, at least in DR, they listen to bachata and merengue. You know, salsa, you know, if you're a little more adult. Um, And reggaeton, if you're at the club. And that's about it. Like, you don't mess with those formulas. And, you know, Rita Indiana electrified merengue, you know, and bachata. And she even started, you know, singing like Santeria chants on there. She was rapping on there. She brought a queer perspective, you know. It just so many revolutionary things that, like, the first time I heard it, I thought it was preposterous. I rejected it. Um, it took, a, it took time for me to actually understand and really like, it, I love it. You know, this is by far one of the, the, my milestones in this whole sort of, you know, music journey that, that I've gone on, like, you know, so that whole embracing who you are, a lot of Latinos run away from it, hmm. you know, because again, it doesn't represent all of us This conservatism doesn't re- represent all of us. So like this sort of return to roots and sort of updating it and making it our own is major. Well, it's very exciting. Speaking of formative 
<laughs> idols and life-changing artists. Um, sadly, I think we've we've come to um, the last thing we wanted to talk about tonight, um, which Davis is Bowie, the passing, the very very sad passing of David Bowie. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's sort of very, very strange to hear that he'd passed away um, and and eerie. And Space Oddity has been stuck in my head for weeks. I think, it? yes, it's it's very weird. And it's, it's made me think because, uh, you know, one thing that I was saying to people is like, you know, because uh, the album Black Star, of course, um, we have come to realize was about the album that David Bowie made about his own death, um, which is an incredible, beautiful, and to me, very, um, very brave political statement, not political. Um, I meant to say artistic statement and it's sort of, and, and not even in a, like a, the usual brave, the way when people mean it, we're like, oh, you're so brave because, you know, this is like a, such a matter of like truth telling or anything. This is like real motherfucker bravery, <laughs> just facing down mortality and, and looking it in the eye, which is like a, a kind of bravery that I happen to have a particular affection for. It's very punk to me in a way. Um, it's like finding a really morbid silver lining. You're like, yeah, I'm dying, but I can make some kick-ass art from it. And I'm, I'm not sure if anyone has uh, done anything quite this extraordinary. And, you know, it's sort of... And it's the, the album is a tremendous consolation to me because uh, I'm a fan of his very early rock and roll stuff. And the thing I like about it is the way his songwriting kind of gets under your skin just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of songs like Soul Love... They like they get into you and they they won't they won't leave, and eventually become part of your DNA. Um, and the thing about this song is that it's exactly like that. It's sort of not this song. I'm getting tired and I'm also sad when I think about David Bowie. But yeah. it's sort of it. This it's one of these enveloping world-like albums that he makes where you can. You can go inside it and then, or it also gets into you. And so it's not very melodic. It's, there's a lot of free jazz and, you know. It's downright bizarre. It is. And yet um, the songs are very, very good in the sense that they do, they creep into you, they creep into your mind and they stay with you. And so in, in a way it's like he's, he hasn't left. He's still here. Yeah, no, he definitely left a thunderbolted mark. Um, on the Earth. Uh, and actually, in the cosmos, I don't know if you saw that they named the constellation after him. Which, that was brilliant. That's fantastic. I, that. I live. Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, formative moments, like we were just talking about, you know, Rita Indiana and Bomba Stereo. David Bowie, uh, I think everybody has a David Bowie moment, a David Bowie story. Um, you know, I've... Uh, I feel very connected to Bowie uh, in that, you know, I, I, am, I am gay, I'm queer, right? And, you know, David Bowie was one of the first kind of queer icons to really hit the mainstream, you know? And even, 
like even in, in later years he would go on to retract this whole sort of idea of this whole bisexuality that he claimed in the Ziggy days like he's you know it was all a marketing ploy and that's okay you know what that's okay because you normalized the strange and the other although I I don't really believe that I, li- I think he he likes to he likes to be weird about things in the sense that, uh, or I'm, I'm talking about him like he's still alive, but um, he he likes to be mysterious. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, and to keep people guessing. I I certainly believe uh, that he was attracted to men, uh, and I especially like it because you know he's people like to talk about about him as like a gay icon or like. Mm a queer icon and to me in a lot of ways he's a bisexual icon and I really enjoy that because he's accepted and so it's like I think it's especially rare for people to accept or celebrate bisexuality so that's one way that like you know I always found uh, him very comforting and inspiring because I am bisexual and it's sort of something I don't even like to talk about with anyone because it's hard for that conversation to go well. Right. Um, so let's tell the world on a podcast. Yes. Well, it's also, I'm not, it's not a secret. Um, it's just it's something that, like, doesn't come up. And when it does, it's like, oh, great. You know, and, and yeah. So, and I think we've all mourned differently. Uh, you wrote a beautiful piece. Thank you. Um, you know, about it. For Soundfriend, which I promise we'll tell you guys eventually what Soundfriend is. Um... You know, I got a tattoo with the lightning bolt on my arm. Um, You know, again, we all have ways of processing death, uh, be it of a loved one or, again, for... I feel like Bowie is is more of a personal icon. Again, some people, you know, look up to, like, a parent or a teacher or a friend or an actor or an artist. In, in this case, you know, Bowie has always been that light for me. Um, you know, any creativity, any fashion or style or anything that I, that I have is directly traceable to, to Bowie. And, you know, I don't pretend otherwise I, you know, embrace and I, and I lift it. Um, again, he's left an indelible mark on the world. I mean, you know, you couldn't have Katy Perry walking around, you know, with lollipop boobs you know, if he had not paraded around London in a dress when he was 19. There are, yeah, there are so many things like that. And <clears throat> I don't know, in, and because of that, you know, I think in a lot of ways, maybe what he really means to me is sort of um, kind of a queer elder. Yeah. Like, sort of, like almost like a, knowing he was alive, it was a sort of sense of there being this guardian. And now I, we're, it's, I'm worried. <laughs> what are we going to do without him? I don't know. I don't know that I'm worried. He has... I mean, he kind of sort of stopped being relevant a while back. Mm. Um, and and this makes him relevant again, not because he's dead, but because he put out an urgent, important bit of art. You know, everybody was excited when he put out his last album uh, the, the next day. And that was cool. That was exciting because he'd been gone for 10 years. You know... I listened to it once. I went back to Where Are We Now a couple times because it really is just a beautiful song. Um, and I kind of, like, let it go, you know? It, it, it wasn't... I'm, I'm excited about 70s and 80s Bowie, you know? And I think most people are. 
Absolutely. Um, I used to play um, the song Modern Love. Oh, goodness. Um, on my radio show in college. It's my karaoke Almost staple. every time because I had it um, on... I had it on a seven inch, so I would play it, um, and I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of records. It was a terrible, terrible <laughs> radio show. Um, but it was called the Morning Mixtapes. If you ever emailed me with that email, then you you know why it exists now. That was the one to send in requests. Um, but I bring this up because I my David Bowie story is not touching and profound, like many things in my life are not touching or profound. Um, but it's a story about my friend Brian Lidfeld. We uh, went to college on Long Island and uh, at Stony Brook University, and we went to, we used to go to the diner, because we were all in the college paper, and we go to the diner at two in the morning. And one day, I was telling people about the song, I don't know, the song Modern Love, I think it came on the radio. That's what it was, um, in the diner. And um, I said, I love this song, and Brian said, it's, I love it too, it's going to be my wedding song. And I said, Brian, that's not a very good wedding song. And Brian said, I'm not going to be a very good husband. He's married now, and I'm pretty sure he's a great husband. But, um, so maybe this was really a story about Brian Lidfeld. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, hey, it's a story. That's all I'm, the, the, I, don't, I don't know. That's about all I can say about that. That's all I've got. Um, and we've rambled for a while, and basically you only ramble about things you really care about. Bowie's one of them. Um, and we've been playing Black Star for a little bit, so I'm just gonna turn up the volume and, you know, we'll see you guys or hear you guys next time, whenever that is. Long live Bowie. Man, he can still dance.